0: Now Prince Philip's retired, do we just call him Phil?
1: What did I do to be written out of your will?
0: You know what you did.
1: We are recording today from the Answer Me This summer quarters, (laughs) as in Ollie Mann's house in the beautiful countryside. Thank
0: you. I don't know why I'm saying thank you. Uh, I didn't create the countryside, I just bought a house here.
1: So it feels like a little vacation in the countryside at Ollie Mann's house. And here is a vacation-based question from Lee. Lee says, my wife is a travel agent, so we enjoy several cheap holidays a year. Mm -hmm. Yes. We've just come back from an all-inclusive hotel, which was a very disappointing experience for a number of reasons. Oh! During the day, we stuck to soft drinks.
0: Well, already you're doing this totally wrong. In the
1: (laughs) evening, we sat at the bar. My wife drank wine. I drank beer. Neither of us drink to get drunk. Mm. But after several rounds, the drinks were having no effect. They didn't taste watery, but there was no alcoholic effect at all
0: this suddenly sounds like a trip advisor review rather than answer me this question
1: (laughs) i'm enjoying it ollie answer me this what are these drinks (laughs) are they manufactured all-inclusive versions of real drinks Uh, or do hotels water them down
0: i wouldn't say that they're specially manufactured versions i think what goes on a lot Mm. is there are international drinks brands that are recognized all over the world you know, your Bacardi's, your Malibu's, your Bailey's, and they put those on the bar so that tourists are reassured that they're in that kind of place, I think they probably top up the bottles with local, cheaper versions. Okay. Um, Because it is local, cheaper wine and local, cheaper beer that you're drinking, which probably isn't as alcoholic, which is why you weren't getting drunk on it. Um, And that is probably the case as well when it comes to the spirits. Um, What you do read a lot of is people saying, I never once saw them open a fresh bottle. Oh, really? Um, which obviously is a bit of a giveaway. But that said, I do think it depends what you pay. And you, you've said yourself, you went on a cheap break. Mm. I mean, I went to a quite expensive all-inclusive in Mexico a couple of years ago.
1: And the swimming pool was made out of cocktails. More or less.
0: I mean, seriously. <laughs> was there a swim-up bar? There wasn't just a swim-up bar. There was a moat around the rooms. So if you wanted to, you could swim from your room to the bar.
1: What? Yeah, yeah.
0: And you notice when you arrive, we arrived at something like... 4pm, and you could see the guests were clinging onto the walls. They were that drunk. Oh, God. They were like swaying around. They were leaning on the wall. Everyone was drunkenly laughing.
1: Was there anything else to do apart from get hammered
0: all day? No. And so... After a few days, you become that person. I mean, we didn't do what (laughs) other people in the hotel did. They actually had full-size bottles of branded alcohol in our bedroom, and you could drink as much as you wanted, and they'd replace it the next day.
1: Was the headboard of your bed a bar with optics? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even have to get up off the pillow. Just
0: open your mouth and uh, press a couple of buttons. So what I'm saying is, you know, I think you get what you pay for. By contrast, we were in a hotel in Crete in Mm -hmm. May, which was a four-star hotel, We weren't staying all-inclusive there, but some guests were. Mm. And you could see what they were serving was just the... They were serving Retsina Mm -hmm. as the white wine. Now, I happen to like Retsina, but you can get a half bottle of Retsina anywhere in Crete for two quid. Right. So there was no value attached to being all-inclusive. It just meant you couldn't have a nice bottle of wine if you wanted one. So, you know, I think you could see that they were cheaping out. So I think it just depends where you go, really.
1: I can well imagine, though, that cocktails in an all-inclusive resort would be colourful sugar water with less boozing because it's cheaper and also because it's a bit easier to have guests who aren't completely blasted and then people can drink them all day so it gives the impression of taking advantage of the all-inclusivity and great generosity in the resort without it ruining your liver but wine and beer
0: but even those are served in novelty ways i mean most of these all-inclusives are typically in hot places um so again in the one in mexico that we went to that was definitely sort of quality beverages being administered uh the thing that the barman by the pool liked to do was a so-called iceberg Mm -hmm. so an iceberg was like a massive like double gulp, seven up cup size thing mm-hmm. filled with a huge block of ice, hence the name. Yeah, into which he'd pour, I think, one or maybe two. I think it was one bottle of Corona, some lime, and then maybe a shot of tequila or something. Uh-huh. But the point is that block of ice was so huge that it is diluting it substantially. And although you think you're drinking a big cocktail, you're not. You're drinking a heavily diluted, fairly light beer, and it probably takes you an hour to drink it. So it's not that much, is it, really? Unless
2: if you down it really quickly, then maybe.
0: But you can't because it's a. It's a straw, and b. Oh. It's got a massive block of ice in it. So Needs to wait for it you to melt. In the face. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> but Lee says these didn't taste watery.
0: Mm. Well, that, that's what I mean by supplement it with cheaper brands. You know, right. It's going to taste of whiskey, but it's not going to be as good.
1: So the tube of ram would just have less booze in it? Well, it certainly
0: hasn't matured for 10 years in a malt cask, has it? <laughs> you know, it's from the equivalent of Iceland or whatever.
1: Or maybe Lee and his wife are harder drinkers than they realised.
0: Here's a question from Dan who says My mum lives in a retirement community. She's made loads of friends, and everything there is very lovely. Hooray. However, she has had problems recently with her boiler. Uh oh. She has had problems recently with her boiler, which is located in the airing cupboard. However, she doesn't refer to this as the airing cupboard. She calls it her glory hole.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> She keeps on using this expression, and she's been using it with other residents and the community's handyman. So, Helen, answer me this. How do I go about telling my mum not to use this phrase without bringing up cocks being shoved anonymously between toilet cubicles?
1: Well, Dan, you could say to her, there are so many different meanings of glory hole. And you don't want people to confuse your airing cupboard with the nautical terms of glory hole, like a storeroom in a ship, or the stewards' and stokers' quarters, or a jail cell, or the senses it has in mining. For example, when the surface ground has formed a big divot because a shaft underneath has collapsed a bit. Or the glass blowing form of glory hole, which is the second furnace of three used in glass blowing, Or a round spillway type of glory hole. You wouldn't want her to confuse her airing cupboard with any of those or the second
2: hand furniture shop on the A5
1: but she's probably using it in the sense of an untidy cupboard or drawer which has been in use since at least 1825 so it's your filthy mind Dan that is uh, bringing the idea of glory holes used for cottaging
0: well possibly or she actually has a glory hole operating out of her airing cupboard have you checked Dan you're assuming she doesn't You know, she might know exactly the meaning of the word Um, I had this exact issue when I was uh, house hunting in St Albans with my wife. We were looking around an elderly lady's house Mm -hmm. and it was a very presentable house, although it hadn't been updated since the kind of 1950s. And it had a few little odd adjunctive rooms. Mm -hmm. And I remember her specifically saying to us, bold as brass, oh, have you seen the glory hole? And we both looked at each other and found it very hard to suppress the smile in that instance because we knew she didn't mean hole for cocks, but we weren't sure what she did mean. And what she did mean was this kind of anteroom that was kind of, I guess you might have used to have stored coal in it or something like that. I think now it had like a lawnmower in it and some other stuff that was damp. Um, So that's what she meant. So obviously back then people did use it generically for air raid shelters or space in the ceiling or, you know, whatever.
1: It's the same problem I encounter when my mother uses the word slut. She'll say, I must hoover, otherwise people will think I'm a slut. Yeah,
0: you've told me that before. I'd never heard that anywhere else
1: and yet i think it was a very common usage before a few decades ago sounds like
2: a sort of corruption of slattern doesn't it
1: well exactly i think it is but i haven't tried to broach it with her but i know that some of her friends listen to this podcast so maybe they will report back to her and uh, the work will be done without me having to do it directly well also i think dan why don't you enjoy this dan what? enjoy your mother using glory hole be like
0: <laughs> <laughs> well wh- you don't have to be graphic you can just say, Mum. You might not be aware, but the word "glory hole" is sexual slang. You don't yeah. need to be specific because that's she doesn't need to know so, the details, does that's she?
2: Sufficiently <laughs> ambiguous so that I mean that could, "glory hole" could mean a lot of
0: yes, it could mean asshole or vagina or something. But she's still going to think, okay, but I probably should stop calling my airing cupboard that. <laughs> that's <laughs> all you need to <laughs> say. Took <chucking> it the asshole. <laughs> it's sexual slang. That's all you need to say. Can you not she's... say that to your mother, Dan? Are you so she's... repressed?
1: She's lived a bit. She's probably aware that sex exists. Yes.
0: Yes, but people who came to sexual awareness before the internet, though, probably weren't as easily uh, exposed to glory holes as our generation has been. I mean, it's something that I may have once read in a magazine article had the internet not existed. I'm now aware of it as a thing.
2: Hi, Helen It's Katie. And yeah,
1: We've had a few cocktails, but we have a song stuck in our head by the great and wonderful Biebs. It's Despacito. But what does Despacito mean? Love you. Bye. Bye.
0: The Great and Wonderful Beebs. Uh,
1: he's getting all the credit for a song that is by veteran musicians Louis Fonzie and Daddy Yankee, Puerto mm. Rican musicians. He just heard it in a club, contributed an extra verse to the remix, and oh. now he is the great and powerful Beebs. But but
0: as a result of his involvement, it did become the biggest summer tune of all time, I it's believe. It's the
1: most streamed song of all time. Which
0: is extraordinary, because it's basically a summer song. It's a yes, feel-good song. absolutely. So the equivalent is, if in 2002... Robbie Williams had done guest vocals on my neck my back my pussy and my crack isn't it <laughs> which is unthinkable. how does it go it goes um de i think that's blue it sounds a bit like that song was it amy macdonald and no you no 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 no
1: no 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 and... And Scottish singer Amy MacDonald in the folk kind of style. Can you see it now,
0: though? I mean, there's a tune that's being replicated there. I mean... Just saying.
1: I'm struggling to see it, but I want to. I want to just for you.
0: Martin, have you not heard this song at all? I've never heard this song. It's
1: banned on Malaysian public radio and television because of its filthy lyrics. That's probably why I haven't heard it.
0: I saw that story in the sun. And they put as the headline, This song has been banned in Malaysia and branded un-Islamic porn. And I was thinking, what is Islamic porn? <laughs> because if that is a niche, someone needs to invest, there's money to be made. But I only know this is a thing, Martin, because I heard the piece on the Today programme in which Gemma Kearney explained to older listeners like me that it was a thing. So I've only mm-hmm. heard that it is a thing through the years of Michelle Hussein. I've not actually sought out the song.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how they're meant to be Well, I was it.
0: just depressed that that's how I found out about it. Because in the yeah. old days, I would have already been have already You'd been, been living large, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. In in I'd, I'd be slapping asses to it. Your ass or someone else's? Well, mostly my own.
1: I could tell you some of the lyrics and you can decide whether they are I would like to hear
0: it um, in rendition
2: in your voice because I imagine it's quite different from the Justin Bieber interpretation.
1: It's in Spanish, uh, but in English, amongst the lyrics are I want to undress you in kisses slowly, firmly in the walls of your labyrinth, setting themselves up as minotaurs, Mm. which is uh, vivid. Unless that's
2: a reference to ducks having really complicated vaginas.
1: It could be. Maybe it's a love song to a duck.
0: Explain the duck oh, it's, it's a biological fact Understood Explain how you came up with the word duck From those lyrics about labyrinth
2: Exploring someone's labyrinth It sounds sort of vaguely sexual doesn't it yes. But How but, did you equate that to a duck well, well, because Duck has women, a
1: labyrinthine vagina Yeah women
2: have
0: quite straightforward vaginas don't they right, okay, Relatively so therefore Relative to thought. a duck ergo, must be singing to a duck. Yes. Okay? Just thought and, I should translate that for everyone. Thank you. Yeah. It's
1: a valuable service. Mm. And of your body... It's that easy
0: humour, isn't it? That makes it such a winning combination. <laughs> yeah.
1: You translate, Martin, for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of your body, I want to create a manuscript. Like vellum. Yeah, like vellum. People did used to write on skin. Uh, so it's just in the grand tradition of uh, writing implements. Up, 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 up. I want to see your hair dance. That's your hair what, dance? Yeah. That's nice. I want to be your rhythm. Want to show you my mouth. It's mean, right there on the front of his face what's
0: Presumably what's that's a better rhyme head. in Spanish
1: It's the place where the song comes out
0: The lyric that I found odd was We will do it on the beach in Puerto Rico Till the waves scream, dear lord So that my seal stays with you
1: do you, are you thinking seal is in the aquatic mammal? Pet seal, or, I just, or seal like a seal on a letter made out of sealing wax? Well,
0: I assume the latter, but it does conjure up in English, doesn't it? We're going to have such a good shag that the sea life will want to join in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think a more sinister lyric is "Let me trespass your danger zones until I make you scream and you forget your last name."
0: What? Well, is that, but that means through ecstasy, doesn't it? Yeah, but still, it doesn't mean through date rape. Yeah, I but
1: don't think trespass. Yes, trespass.
0: sure. I want to trespass yeah.
2: your danger zones until you forget you your last name. You can't trespass
0: time. with permission, can you? That's true. Do you think when Justin Bieber's been singing this recently at nightclubs and can't remember the Spanish lyrics, yeah. so he literally goes, Blah, 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 Dorito. Do you think that's endearing and funny? Or do you think it's another notch in the bedpost of Bieber being an absolute arrogant little shit who's got the massive number one single and can't even be bothered to learn the Spanish lyrics?
1: Can I think both?
0: Yes. Yes, you mm. can. I didn't think you would. I think Cause, both.
1: Because I think that is real tool behaviour, but also I think... But it's
0: quite funny. Strangely a lot, honest
1: A lot of us English speakers know that in that situation It may befall us two, mm. And we would take the worst way
0: out mm. But the important thing is Despacito, if you learn nothing else from today's episode That means slowly Slowly. So yes. it basi- basically it's Let me fuck you slowly, isn't it really That's basically it Let me
1: trespass th- slowly
0: Yeah. Until <laughs> the seal comes along
1: Slowly, because seals, they can't run <laughs>
2: Exactly. They
1: can swim pretty fast I
0: got a question Email your question to answer me this podcast at gmail.com. Answer me this podcast at gmail.com. Answer me this podcast at gmail.com. Answer me this podcast at
1: gmail.com. The question of theater now. From Charlotte from Kent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a question of theatre.
1: Charlotte from Kent says, I've just been to see 42nd Street at the Drury Lane Theatre. It was great. But as always seems to happen when I go to the theatre, the lead was played by the understudy. That
0: happens to me all the time Is it as the well? matinees thing? No, I went to see the evening performance of Memphis and I got the understudy instead of Killian Donnelly. And it happened this week when, oh God, we haven't talked about this. I've finally been to see Bat Out of Hell, the musical.
1: Yay! Yes, rock was, and roll
0: dreams come true. I
1: was worried because um, I said to you when I saw that it was on, are you going to go and do this? You'd made such a fuss about it on this show. Uh, and for
0: 20, I mean, ever since going pubic, I've been saying there needs to be Bat pubic. Out of Hell going musical. Yeah. And yet
1: you said, well, I don't want to go unless someone heard the show and gives me free tickets.
0: Yeah, It it wasn't that I didn't want to go. It was that I didn't want to book tickets Mm -hmm. until I tried desperately to hint strongly on this show that someone involved with Bat Out of Hell could get Uh me a free ticket. And I tried really hard. And the closest I got was someone who's in the chorus Mm -hmm. tweeted me and said, Hey, Ollie, I'm in Bat Out of Hell, the musical. And I thought... That's pretty cool. Well, that's nice, but with respect I don't need another friend like I want someone who, who's in the press office and get me a free ticket he's not here to make friends um, I never got a free ticket so I bought them
1: good for you I'm glad because I thought you would hold off until it had gone no the no theaters. I couldn't miss
0: the opportunity because it was okay. only on for two months in London yeah. um, it was absolutely epic oh fab oh my god
1: flying motorcycles
0: um, so as you know well, like what I've always said about <laughs> Out of Health Musical is that they need to do the monologue at the beginning of Everything Louder Than Everything Else from Better Out of Hell 2. Okay,
1: and I'll take your word for it. they need
0: a bike on fire. Those were my two <laughs> things. that I'd give as an example of what the show would be like. The show literally opens with the monologue from the beginning of Everything Louder Than Everything Else. Then they set fire to a bike. That's Whoa. the opening of the show. And you
1: said they've listened to my dreams. I literally
0: turned to my friend Ben, who I went with, who's also a Meatloaf fan, and was like, I'm happy, I'm done. Like, yeah. So did you just go home after the first I, five minutes? I could have. I, I've seen a lot of shows in my life. Yes. And there are some stage effects. No spoilers here. But there are mm-hmm. some stage effects in that show that I've never seen anywhere else, including Vegas Spectaculars and all the rest wow. of it. Ooh. Genuinely breathtaking effects. Do they do objects in the rearview mirror? Martin, they do fucking everything. It's oh, amazing. Oh, okay. they, do, they do the full length objects and in the mirror.
2: And I can't believe mirror. you took me to a verbatim musical about Kids Company. Yeah,
0: we went to a very different musical, Martin and I, <laughs> earlier in the week. We went to see a show in which Camilla buckman and Al Yentob were portrayed singing and dancing what? in the Palace of Westminster.
1: Do you think anyone else saw both of those in the same week?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think even the same theatre critic from The Guardian would be dispatched to both of those shows. Anyway, Mm -hmm. as it turned out, because later I couldn't be bothered to buy the programme because it was like a tenner. So later I went Googling to see who was involved in everything. And as it turned out, the guy that I saw playing the main part, Rat or Pratt or something he's called, he wasn't... Raisin Loaf. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't the main Pratt. He was the alternate... So he wasn't the understudy, Mm -hmm. but he's the guy who only does it twice a week, one matinee, one evening, and I saw him.
1: Oh, so there's like an official system there for the main person not to do it every time.
0: I guess probably just to rest his voice or something, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, singing those songs is pretty full on. He was brilliant. They often are.
1: Yes. Charlotte continues, Ollie, answer me this. How does being an understudy work? Mm -hmm. Does the understudy feature in the chorus, if they're not playing the lead, Often, yeah. And if so, what happens to their role in the chorus when they are the lead? Is everyone's part understudied?
0: It can be in really big shows, yes. Um, So swing is what they call it. That's the theatrical term for these big Western musicals. Mm -hmm. If you're swing, that means you're in the chorus, but also typically you're an understudy for one of the leads, and they'll have first, second and third choice covers. Mm. So the third cover basically never goes on as the lead. They go on if the first or second choice cover is playing the lead. Right, so they're the part leveled up. the that the swing normally plays, yeah. which is the chorus thing, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: So usually that person who's like third tier doesn't get to go on stage at, at all. all. Yeah. I see.
0: Yeah, but if the show's not that big, uh, if the show's just an average Western musical, then mm. yes, it'll be someone from the chorus that's understudying the main part, and no, as far as I can work out, it's usually very last minute if someone's chronically ill and can't go on, it might just be an hour before. As far as I can work out, very often, they get by with mm. five backing dancers rather than six or whatever. And I suppose they're just, you know, actors quite like a challenge, don't they? They quite like ad yeah. around things. You know, makes a performance different, doesn't it? And they just battle on through it, I yeah,
1: guess. Yeah, spices it up if you're doing the same thing for a year. Yeah, exactly. There must
2: be, um, I mean, a, a chorus is sort of by definition a bunch of people, isn't it? But hmm. on the other hand, there must be situations which you need an even number. Like, there's symmetric stuff going
0: on, with the exactly, dancing yeah. pairs yeah. bibbing it. Spotlight's up, yeah. being thrown on the stage and there's no one in it, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I guess, again, that's that's the kind of thing that actors get quite excited to deal with at the last... You can imagine all the technicians getting off on it as well, can't you? Yeah, if there's yeah. no one to fill your spotlight, that'll be the hairy-ass bloke going, oh, well, I remember in <laughs> <laughs> you know, 1988. I can
1: play Sandy from Greece.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but if it's a drama, for example, not a musical,
1: yeah.
0: if you're understudying zoe wanamaker or something in the glass menagerie mm-hmm. they've sold the show on the basis it's got a big star in it half the audience is going to be disappointed when they announce she's not there but someone needs to go on yeah and if, if the show's big enough that it costs that much that they've got a star they will have an understudy who's not part of the show because they don't have a chorus in a tennessee williams play <laughs> um so there'll there'll be someone basically who every night goes to the theater and has to sit there till the half till the interval to be sure that the star can go on for the second half Mm. So that sometimes happens if the star injures yeah. their foot in scene two. Yeah, the understudy goes on suddenly as the part.
1: Yeah, my mum saw I think Macbeth or Julius Caesar were halfway through. They were replaced by the understudy because they'd had like some horrific vomiting uh, mm. attack. We went to see a matinee at the National, which was all of the understudies getting to play yeah. the main parts because our friend was in it. Yeah, and uh, they were all great. They were all great. But then,
0: of course, we didn't see. The people who were supposed to be in it doing it.
1: Who would want to when you'd yeah. seen the understudies <laughs> knocking it out of the park? And a few of the people in that were the main people. So presumably they, mm. they don't have understudies for everybody. I wonder what the average rate is of understudies getting to perform in, say, the West End. A like, couple a year?
0: Again, I think it depends on the show. So
1: And Martin mccutcheon Yeah, 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 that was an exceptional thing wasn't it well it wasn't it wasn't
0: I mean that does happen what happened with Martin Martin McCutcheon McCutcheon was ill halfway through the big West End transfer of My Fair Lady Uh, for which she'd won Olivier Awards and all the rest of it but she
1: was not in it more than she was in it yeah exactly so people were very Mm -hmm. angry but apparently her understudy was amazing kind of built a career off it well and the
0: same I think in um, One Man Two Governors I think that was James Corden's understudy who effectively ended up being the next person to get the part or certainly did the touring production or something
1: and now they've got their sights set on carpool karaoke I (laughs) bet (laughs)
0: exactly so yeah that, that does happen I think if you're understudying a big role so for example if you're the understudy for the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. at some point if you're there for a year you will get to play Phantom because yep. that's a very demanding role and the guy will be ill at some point in a year yeah
2: laryngitis or want a holiday or whatnot. not it depends on the reliability of the lead like if I mean there must be big stars maybe not less now but big stars who are also like piss heads Mm. who you know fall mm. off the stage and or just don't turn up for, for
0: gigs you know every couple of nights. So I think I think actually the ones who understudy the big star parts do get to go on. It's the ones who are second choice mm. probably the best they're going to get is they'll understudy the chorus whilst the guy from the chorus is understudying the main part and they'll get short notice, and some theatre companies have a policy that they can't tell people on social media they're doing it as well.
1: Oh, well, because people won't turn up?
0: Y- yeah, or they'll ask for their tickets back, or, you know, they don't want to signpost the fact. But yeah. Th- That's why, usually, they've now stopped making that announcement. You know, they used to say, in today's Ew. performance of Greece, the part of Danny will be played by Mr... <laughs> whatever. They They now tend to just put, like, an unremarkable A4 poster up in the foyer that you might see... But might easily miss.
2: But that must be pretty annoying, isn't it? I mean, if you if you don't have pre-warning, you sit down, the lights go down, and you go, I'm really excited to see Sheridan Smith, and it's yes. and it's not Sheridan Smith, and you, you know that must yeah. it must be really frustrating.
0: Really hard for the actor as well, because they've got to go on and knock clear yeah. up to that just wave of disappointment Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: the Do people ask for the money back if you just yeah. look? I, I yeah. paid for Sheridan Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And they can. I think with that kind of star casting, it's reasonable. I mean, when you're yeah. talking massive stars, I mean Kevin Spacey, at the old Vic. Yeah, you know, you're paying four times as much for a ticket, aren't you? No one wants to see a show about a fucking boring lawyer from Chicago <laughs> didn't I've gone to see Kevin Spacey so if it's not him then you, you're gonna you know
2: think twice don't you? have you ever made that decision have you ever gone I
0: only really wanted to see this performer no like I say my experience of understudies is generally pretty good and I'm always impressed with how they perform
1: often you might not even notice that you've got one yeah mm. if you haven't bought the program see that have their little
0: head chore. accents is often a giveaway if it's a Broadway mm. show and it's a British actor doing an American accent, mm. they've got the singing and the dancing routines down pat. They haven't had time to work out the talking accent. Oh, my God. You just reminded me. <laughs> Not an understudy, a star. Jane Asher, an American in Paris, is the worst French accent I've heard. It's like someone doing alo allo." You wow. cannot believe that it's a professional. I was pissing girl. by your door. It is really like that. And I, th- I don't know if it's supposed to be a style, because the thing's kind of, you know, a slightly cartoonish, dreamy thing. You know, it's an idealised version of Paris... It's still a lot of
2: shit out of a French person
0: coming to say that. It's, it just insults everyone's intelligence. <laughs> I, was just, I was absolutely gobsmacked by how bad it was.
1: Yeah, stick to the cakes, Jane. <laughs> like the point in a play halfway through where um, the lights come up and you are going buy an ice cream, it mm. is time for the intermission.
0: Well, the understudy for a brand new episode of Answer Me This is, of course, the Answer Me This album collection. If you're waiting <laughs> in between new episodes, you can always delve into our delicious archive. Or,
1: like Desposito, the soundtrack to your summer <laughs> is... <laughs> Uh, the Answer Me This Holiday.
0: Correct. Uh, uh, we
1: got Justin Bieber to drop in and cover a question.
0: <laughs> of all the albums that we've recorded, and there are five, uh, obviously holiday is the one that's arguably best suited to August.
1: Well, I, I, I would argue that. I'd say Christmas is best suited to December. Yes, I would, yeah. I'd say holiday. You can take holidays many other times of the year.
0: Yeah, you can, but I'd still think if you're going to pick the ultimate month, like most people go on an annual summer holiday about now. Now's the t- if, you, if you're packing your bags, sun cream condoms, inflatables. Answer me <laughs> you could this holiday. Use,
1: you could use the condoms as an inflatable.
0: Yes, but if, don't if use the inflatables needed. as condoms. That's no. very important. Um, anyway, uh, remember to pack Answer Me This Holiday with you.
1: Weighs nothing because it's an MP3. It's not adding to your luggage. Mm,
0: exactly. It is a one hour long uh, exclusive album Which means yeah. To qualify the word exclusive That means we will never Put it out on the free feed You cannot hear it anywhere Unless you no, buy it
1: Just this little bit of it And you can get Answer Me This Holiday And all of our other albums And episodes 1 to 200 From
0: Answer Answer Mee Mee this store store dot com. com. And remember By buying the albums You're supporting the show Here's a question about zoos now, another popular thing to see when you are on holiday. This one comes from Marie, who says, There are two giant pandas in Edinburgh Zoo, and it seems they're not willing, or able, to mate. So the female panda has been artificially inseminated. So Helen, answer me this. How do they collect the panda sperm? Do they put him, the panda, into a side room with a magazine containing pics of female pandas in crotchless knickers?
1: Oh, come on. How would a panda turn the pages? They've got big
0: paws. Or, she continues, does a poor young work experience fellow have to perform rhythmic movements on the male panda's member to induce ejaculation? No. Oh, good. How do they do it, it, then?
1: Well, they do it uh, with a process called electro-ejaculation. No. An electro-ejaculator... Uh, it has a cylindrical probe with longitudinal probes sticking off of it. So I imagine it looking kind of like a toilet brush, mm. but made of electricals.
0: I know that they're an endangered species, and I know that people love them. However, mm. people love them because they're cute. If a type of stick insect was also facing extinction, mm. no one would be whacking off stick insects for 40 minutes with using proper would they? I think if a naked
2: mole rat was going extinct, I could probably live with that. Because they look like a penis with teeth. But <laughs> <laughs> they're really, really like, horrible many people's, yellow people's nightmare. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Really no, not, not
1: even clean teeth. They're really
2: like, dirty, foetid creatures.
0: <laughs> Time for a question from Jonah, who says, "I love to play board games."
1: Ah, not your.
0: Wait, is that sweet?
1: It seems like an innocent pursuit these it is days. Innocent,
0: yes. I love to play board games. Not your run-of-the-mill, mostly chance-based games like Monopoly. Boo, Monopoly, boo. But the nerdy strategy ones, like Settlers of. Catan. Catan. And Carcassonne. 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 Are they the That's ones where you game. build soldiers and stuff? Uh, I,
2: I, I don't know Carcass- about Catan. I think... Uh,
1: Carcassonne Car- you build like yeah, roads. Yeah,
0: infrastructure. It's all about infrastructure. You build infrastructure. Yeah, it's what a game. great. Um, <laughs>
1: and then you become a town planner. <laughs> you have to go to a lot of meetings.
0: Uh, Jonah continues. I used to have plenty of opportunities to play with friends.
1: Now they won't answer my texts.
0: But now I have three young children. And like most other things, my board game life now revolves around them. Lucky for me, my kids love to play board games too. Chips off the old block. Uh, And I've managed to teach them the mechanics of some of my favourites so that we can play together.
1: That's nice because these are quite cooperative games
0: that you like, Jonah. That's impressive because, I mean, there's a reason that Monopoly is a popular one and that's because although it seems complex when you're seven, it's fairly straightforward.
1: And also because people are horrible little capitalists.
0: (laughs) That too. But I mean, the games that I was interested in learning when I was six and seven were the ones that I could master fairly quickly. I mean, I wanted mm. a bit of a challenge, let's say half an hour's worth of challenge. If you've managed to teach your kids to play a logistically complicated game, then I, well done to you.
1: You either want to grasp the rules quickly or have a very complicated board setup like Mousetrap.
0: Trouble is, continues Jonah, whilst my children may have learned the rules of these games, they are understandably, (laughs) far from having mastered the complex strategy involved... Morons! ...which is what makes it so fun for me to play. Mm -hmm. When I play with them, I adjust the way I play a little in order to be more inclusive and keep things moving along. But I don't let them win on purpose, as that feels condescending, and I want them to be able to beat me on their own merits, which won't be possible until they're much older.
1: Wasn't there a a sketch where there was like this super competitive dad who always had to win in the Fast Show or something like
0: that? Yeah, yes, it was the Fast Show, I think, yeah.
1: Uh, So I can't adjust my gameplay too much because I must win! Well,
0: I get this because I've seen this from the other side because obviously I I would win any game that I played against my 18-month-old son at the moment.
1: I don't know, if the game is dropping banana on the floor, (laughs) I think he's more committed to it than you are.
0: (laughs) But I remember playing chess with my dad... So my dad taught mm. me chess when I was about seven and I carried on playing chess with him till I was about 18. Wow. And never once, as far as I recall, did I beat him. And he wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't very good. I'm just not very good at chess.
1: Well, also someone who's not very good at chess taught you. So maybe. you weren't taught very well.
0: Yeah, maybe. I think I just got bored quickly. Like mm. I couldn't do the strategic thinking thing. Yeah. I actually once got really upset with my dad i think i was about 16 we were on holiday we were playing chess in a hotel bar and uh i lost and i was 16 and hormonal so i got upset with him i was like oh you're so annoying i don't know why <laughs> um and this kind of kindly old man in the chair next to us who'd been listening to the game whilst we were playing sort of sat up and turned around and said to me i'd give anything to be able to have a game of chess with my father again Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. and I was like fuck you old man like I'm having a moment here how dare you intervene with my hormonal moment uh, do you
1: feel that now though uh,
0: no no he was right of course right but although do
1: you think if I could spend any time with Stanley again it would not be at the chess it wouldn't
0: be losing at chess mm. no exactly yeah
1: what do you think you would do
0: uh, I'd probably go to a Greek restaurant that he liked
1: that sounds better uh, yeah.
0: so uh, continues Jonah Helen answer me this how much should I change my strategy when I'm playing with my children I want them to have fun playing with me and foster their love of gaming, but I also don't want to dumb it down for them. Mm -hmm. I also think they learn best when they watch an experienced player and will eventually figure out the more complicated strategies for themselves.
1: They're learning from the best.
0: But last week, one of them asked me, ''Daddy, why do you win all the time?'' And I couldn't think of a good answer outside of some dismissive reply about having lived on this planet more than them. That is a good answer. I, think yeah. that's I mean, that is the answer, isn't it? Because have been playing this game
2: for 30 years and yeah. you've been
0: playing it for two when you're a child. I, I think, think, think that's fine.
1: I'm capable of more complex thoughts, than you, little one. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult because you want them to not be discouraged so that they give up. However, if you don't dumb it down too much, then when they do beat you, as they inevitably will, learning from you and then surpassing you as children who want to do, then it will be all the sweeter for them. It will really feel like a meaningful achievement,
2: won't it? Mm. Yeah, but they might just get bored of it. I mean, you played till you were 18, but after they've been playing you for two years, they might just be like, this is a boring game, we never win.
0: Well, I mean, this is a nerdy game as well. And I get mm. that they don't think it's nerdy at the moment. Mm. But I think the key to keeping them on side when they get older and they realise that it is in fact quite nerdy is that they think back and have fond memories of it being fun mm. to play. And I think if you make it not fun, yeah. but make it too challenging, as soon as it's not fun then it's not going to be nostalgic in the future. When your kids are older and they realise that actually this was quite a geeky thing that you used to do together. What you want basically is Christmas Day 2037, the kids bring around the grandkids and you all sit and play Warriors of Kuba or whatever it was called. (laughs) And if that happens, that will be for nostalgia. Mm. It won't be because they probably. Well, I mean, they might still, still love the game. A
1: very complex game. They might still love the years. game,
0: <laughs> but probably they'll think, "Oh, Dad's a bit of a nerd. He taught us this thing." But it's this nostalgic fun thing we do every Christmas. We recreate that. So you don't want to make it not fun. If you've got the opportunity to keep it fun, keep it fun.
1: Now, am I reading into it that Jonah wants his kids to get used to failure because you have to in the world, but also doesn't want to make them jaded by failure before they've even
0: really? got to grips with something. Wow. I think there is that philosophical question wrapped up in this, yes.
1: Therefore, I suggest to you, you play a variety of different games with them and ones that they can win like Hungry Hippos Connect 4 thing is I love Connect 4 and I'll play it with a savagery that would surprise any of you <laughs> but if you play things that you don't mind losing and also kids are good at like those games like uh, Mousetrap and Hungry Hippos and Marble Run and whatever so games that
0: involve almost total chance and yeah. or physical skill of a niche kind
1: yeah or just you're too old to quite understand what they're about And alternate those with some rounds of Carcassonne and uh, Catan. That means they are used to winning some, so they don't just associate losing with board games because they win some board games.
2: It's probably not possible with chess, although there are ways you can do it, but a handicap. Make the game more difficult for yourself. Make it more difficult for you to win. Is that
1: possible with Carcassonne and games like that?
2: I I don't know. I didn't know those games well enough, but most games, if it's, uh, I don't know, if it's card-based, you have fewer cards. If it's turn-based, you skip some turns or you have a greater likelihood of, I and mean, then you start with less money, or whatever the, whatever yeah. the thing is, you can make it harder for yourself, and 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 still make it so make it a bit fun, because you're... you're, so you're, you're...
0: handicapping yourself, yeah. but you're empowering your children. Exactly, yeah. Rather than well, making it, it too in, easy for it, them. Well, happens
2: in golf, doesn't it? You have a handicap in golf, why can't you do that in Cork? I see,
0: so your children, that's not a bad suggestion, your children if they won against you, which they still might not, but if your children did win in that scenario, they'd win by playing the game straight, not by playing a specially censored yeah. easy version. But you're playing an extra hard version, which might stimulate you as well.
2: So it's still fun for you, because although you're not playing against I mean, strategic geniuses, you're doing so with a very small, uh, yeah. small capacity.
1: But Jonah says, I think they learn best when they watch an experienced player. And eventually figure out the more complicated strategies for themselves. Yes, but that
2: forces you to improvise. If you play a, a good player, can play well with a small set of resources. Oh God, it's
0: he, so boring, isn't he it? He might still I, win. Do my
1: you, suggestion; it was easier. Then you did, get to play he hungry. He might Hippos. still win,
2: but at least it's a challenge for him. As did well you? As for the kids. I'm guessing
0: you did Warhammer and shit like that when you were a teenager. A bit, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, well, you just, quite a lot. But I've just, seen pictures of you when you were sixteen, and you just, I didn't <laughs> exactly
2: play it as much as paint miniatures
0: badly and as then, much as live the life
2: yeah build beautiful landscapes
0: (laughs) which is fine which is fine i mean that's that's what 16 year old nerds are for isn't it but i just now i like the fact that it's become acceptable and mainstream enough for people to just be honest about what they're into Mm. the thing i really like is board games i'm gonna go to one of those board games cafes and have a cup of coffee and spend all day playing the battle of sugu fine but when friends who are into that try and get me into it, it's really hard to just tell the truth and say, this is so boring. I don't want to learn these rules. Life is hard enough without learning more rules.
1: Especially fake ones about a medieval French carcassonne yeah, thing. I
0: don't need that in my life You know brain.
2: what's really boring? Hang around with drunk adults when you're sober. <laughs> I'd rather play a board game.
1: We were in Paris in May and we were staying just up the road from a board games cafe. We went past on a Friday night and it seemed full of uh, young people men and women on dates playing Warhammer type games yeah
0: I mean like I say it's nice for them that those places exist but the problem is when they they try and get me into it (laughs) hands off
1: Why are all Yaz fan sites just about one thing The only way is up is not the only song she sings What about Abandon Me, One True Woman or Good Thing Going, her single from 96
0: You should make your own Yaz site to fill in the gaps Since you seem to think all the current Yaz sites are crap Go to squarespace.com, build your Yaz site And put Yaz back on the map The only way is up
1: Thanks very much to you, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. You're the best. You're the best drag-and-drop template-building website that I use regularly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is out of a field of Squarespace and none other, but then why would you bother with not the best? Once, once when you tried the best... Ignore the rest.
0: Why go out for a burger when you've got a steak at home?
1: And and also, especially when the burger doesn't sponsor podcasts.
0: Essentially, Squarespace make your website beautiful. Uh, no,
1: you do it. You do you it. You still have ultimate responsibility. They're enablers, the it's healthy. Yeah, but Squarespace bad. don't force you to do things you're not comfortable with. No, no. But Squarespace is your easy-to-use tool for creating the website that you want. Without too much trouble.
0: That's right, yeah, that. Got there in the end. Um, And also, they sponsor podcasts. They sponsor this one, so thanks. Yeah. Um, And the way that you can both use their excellent service and get 10% off your first year's subscription and tell them to continue supporting this podcast is to go to squarespace.com, have a two-week free trial.
1: But then when you want to sign up for a year, use our discount code. Answer!
0: Answer. Here's a question from Rosha, who says, Helen, answer me this. What is the proper reason to pull the passenger alarm on the tube.
1: The reasons are, broadly, if there is someone in danger or causing danger to others. So if someone's taken ill or they're stuck inside the door, like dangling halfway out the door, so if you go into a tunnel, their arm will be ripped off or there's a crime happening, there are biohazards, such as puke or blood on the train, there's a lost child. There's vandalism taking place. Lost
0: child. Now that's an interesting one Mm. because actually I probably with that, would speak to the child and then take them myself out at the next station and and give them to someone in control. But
1: if you'd lost the child...
0: Oh, because they've just run off at the last station. Maybe
1: you don't want them to run off when you get to a station. I don't know. I just read that is a valid reason. However, a lot of the time they advise you to wait until the train is in a station so that help can get onto the train or assist people to get off the train. And there is a fine for improper use where people will do it because they left their book on the station platform and then the train took off Mm. or because the train's delayed and they're angry or because they forgot (laughs) to get off at the last stop.
0: Yeah, those are all bad reasons.
1: Don't pull it for those. I was on a slam door train once, you know, the old fashioned kind in the 90s. And mm. this is the only time I've seen it be pulled in front of my face. And one of the doors was open and they were like, oh, should we pull the cord? Should we pull the cord? It's but quite I, exciting, isn't it? Well, I think deciding
0: whether or not to pull the cord.
1: No one was in danger of falling out that door of the train. Mm. I think they just wanted to see what happens. Mm. What happens <laughs> is the train sat in a siding for ages whilst the driver walked through the whole train to see where the alarm was coming from and what was the matter.
0: Oh, he can't just talk, or she. I guess can't just talk to the people concerned.
1: I think now more likely you could, but not every train has that capability.
0: I'm trying to remember now whether I communicated with the driver or not because I've pulled it. I pulled it. You have. It back, yeah.
1: Was it exciting
0: or dreadful? Well, it well, both. Because real both
1: emergencies things. aren't so exciting. Exactly, that's the truth They're of it. It was it was terrifying.
0: like heart pounding, and afterwards I had to call my friend Nick, who I was with, and like have a debrief for about two hours on the phone because we had this post traumatic kind of did that just happen to us? So what it was, we were on the train after a few drinks
1: on a overground or underground train tube Uh
0: train and there was i would describe as like a funny drunk on the train so he was an old man with a red face white hair and he was snoring like that and he'd obviously been drinking his breath smelled of alcohol he had his head perched up against the side and if there was any acknowledgement of the fact he was there at all it was that thing of, should we wake him up and tell him that his stop might be about mm-hmm. to come? or oh, probably not because he's drunk. You don't want to have that conversation. Or the kind of English awkwardness of kind of, ho, 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 there's this man making this obnoxious noise and everyone's yep. ignoring it and pretending it isn't happening.
1: Yeah. Had this on the very train to get to you today.
0: Right. Okay. The, the same situation. Yeah. So, so that had happened. Um, and I was sitting next to him. And then at some point he kind of went and stopped making noise. Mm. And in, I was drunk. I noted it, but I'm not going to do anything about it because I'm sitting next to him. All the same reasons as before. English Reserve, don't want to be embarrassed. And I was about to get off two stops later. So when I was about to get off, because I thought, well, I'm leaving the train now, so I might as well see what happens. (laughs) I leant over to him and prodded him, excuse me, sir. Mm. And he didn't move. And because somewhere in the back of my head, I thought to myself... This is awful, but I had. I thought to myself, well, there's a chance he's dead, but I don't want to deal with that. Like, I hadn't consciously thought Mm. it. I said out loud to Nick, I think he might be dead. Mm. But because I'd thought it, but no one else on the train had, (laughs) there was this reaction where there were these girls, tourists opposite us who had been having a jolly time and I'd never seen like the colour drain from someone's face <laughs> so quickly and they all nearly fainted and started yeah, screaming.
1: because now they know the tube is going to be late. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, they thought they were trapped on a train with a dead person. Um, so at that point, we had that discussion of, oh, should we pull the cord, should we pull the cord? Mm. And there was that moment of sort of excitement But of course we did pull the cord. And then someone at the other end of the carriage heard us and it was a doctor and he did the classic, I'm a doctor, I'll sort this out kind of thing. And he came up and he ripped the guy's jacket off to do CPR. Mm -hmm. And this shouldn't have changed how I saw it, but it did, I'm afraid. When he ripped the guy's jacket open, I saw he had a dog collar on. He was a priest. He was still a drunk old man who happened to be a priest. But the fact that I thought oh, he's a man of God and he's really important to a lot of people.
1: Or he was coming back from a fancy dress party. Mm,
0: he looked like a priest. Once you knew it was a priest, okay. you were like, oh, okay, it's an Irish priest. He was that kind of looking guy. I was like, oh, shit. Like, Not that I've let him die, but Christ, there's a priest next to me and I've, I've not only had I in the back of my head logged something was wrong and waited 30 seconds mm. to do something about it.
1: Did you feel complicit then because you hadn't tried to wake him up earlier?
0: Yeah, yeah of course, because it was just embarrassment and awkwardness that I hadn't done anything. Mm. But then, you know, the guy was doing CPR and then we got to the station and like, actually, very, very British thing. Everyone's really reserved and really awkward about doing anything. And then as soon as there's an actual emergency, even pissed people are like, hands on, everyone's really good. Although that said, there were a few city boys who were like running onto the train, which of course hadn't led the platform for five minutes. And then when people were saying, actually, there's a man been taken ill on the train. They were like, fuck's
1: sake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Londoners have no sympathy when death interferes with the (laughs) transport. So what happened?
0: Well- when we left the station, they'd revived him.
1: They had? They had.
0: I think probably he'd had a heart attack or something. Right. And that's what we heard. Wow. I, he effectively died in his sleep and they mm. brought him back to life because uh, we, we acted fairly quickly. I mean, it was probably a minute. He was probably mm. dead for a minute.
1: Here's a question from Steffi, who is a teacher in Bristol. Ollie, answer me this. Why are apples considered an appropriate gift for a teacher?
0: I didn't know they were.
1: You didn't? No. I only know that they were from cartoons and conventions, never
0: from real life. When you say conventions, you don't mean you went to a teacher's gift convention. (laughs) Well... No, an Apple convention. I bet that happens at, you know, Caesar's Palace (laughs) (laughs) once every five years. Um, Because there are novelty gifts that you can buy specifically for teachers. But
1: I meant more as a trope in TV and stuff
0: like that. The reason you may have seen it in telly is because it appears to be an American tradition. So obviously it's made its way to Steffi in Bristol. um, But it is an American tradition. Uh, In early America... Teachers in the frontiers were often subsidised by the families, obviously, because Mm -hmm. there was no wage, because there was no government. And so it was literally a way of feeding them. So uh, the children of farmers did used to bring apples from the harvest to give struggling teachers. And was
1: the teacher like, I can't eat another fucking apple. Can you bring me a potato? Just anything.
0: I think they were grateful. However, this is the interesting part, Mm. is this? The phrase apple polisher... ...then became an insult. Had you ever heard that word before? Yes, I had. Go on, what context had you heard that? Does it
1: mean like a, a suck-up? Yeah. A teacher's pet?
0: Yeah. Uh, and here are the lyrics to Bing Crosby's 1939 hit... ...An Apple for the Teacher.
1: I'm dreaming of a shiny apple.
0: An apple for the teacher will always do the trick... ...when you don't know your lesson in arithmetic. Ugh. An apple for the teacher will meet with great success... ...if you forgot to memorise the Gettysburg Address etc it's a whole song about apple polishing
1: that sounds pretty smooth
0: Uh, just bring an apple for the teacher and you'll get out of jail free is essentially the Mm. uh, implication Mm. of the song so I think uh, for some people in the states it became something that was uh, seen as a quite declassé thing to do Uh, but obviously it's made its way over here
1: my mum used to be a teacher and she would come home with gifts at the end of term but never really anything good
0: what was the best and what was the worst?
1: Uh, well, I think at best it was some quality street.
0: Oh, Jesus, that's shit, it, isn't it? It is
1: shit. And the worst, fridge magnets with inspirational slogans on.
0: I mean, again, if no one had ever seen a world's best teacher fridge magnet, that would be a great present.
1: There was a really weird parent of one of the students who kept giving my mum presents throughout the year.
0: Was it a romantic uh, approach, do you think?
1: I don't know. It was imbalanced though. <laughs> I mean, my mum is a very lovable woman, but she always makes the boundaries very clear.
0: The most popular gift for teachers on johnlewis.com is um two gin balloon glasses.
1: Is that just a balloon shaped glass from which you can drink gin?
0: Yes, it's just a glass. It's okay. something somehow that has become categorized as gifts for teacher. I suppose because it's a tenner. I suppose a lot of parents are like, What's nine ninety nine and from John Lewis? two gin balloon glasses. Right. Don't know.
1: Better than tea towels, I suppose. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. Some of the American blogs I've been looking at, and there've been these kinds of, you know, sort of homely, crafty moms doing blogs about... Make Hit. your
1: own soy candles in a mason jar for that teacher. That sort of thing, yeah. yeah.
0: And some of them are quite sweet. One of the suggestions was that all the parents get together, buy ten gift vouchers. Mm. So one for Pottery Barn, one for Starbucks. And then you mount it on a piece of paper... And you make it look like individual flowers in a pot, and then you write on it, "Thanks for helping me grow." Oh, which god, is awful! Wow. But also, at the end of the day, it's eighty quid's worth of vouchers, so he or she is probably going to be happy with that.
1: Why not make a bouquet out of dollar bills? <laughs> <The> one. <laughs> Shh,
2: it's a question line. It's a question line. Oh
0: two, oh eight. One, two, three, five, eight, double, seven. answer me these, shh, answer me these. I don't know nothing, it's such a perver It's a question line, it's a question line. O
1: oh, two oh, eight, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, double, seven. Here's a question from Josh from Exeter, who says, I photographed a wedding last year where the ring bearer bit a big chunk out of a guest's lip. The ring bearer being a dog.
0: Okay, I'm glad that was qualified.
1: And the guest had to be taken to A&E. Ollie, answer me this. Is it morally wrong to photograph this situation? Or (laughs) would I be considered a bad photographer for missing the decisive moment? To add a bit of extra context, the dog was pretty cute.
0: Right, but he doesn't tell us whether or not he took the picture. The question yeah. is just, would it be morally wrong to photograph it?
1: You've got to, obviously you've got to get the picture. That is the picture that everyone would want to see. But if you are thinking morally, uh, you can pretend you were doing it for evidence.
0: <laughs> I would think that your first instinct as a photojournalist of sorts is to take the picture regardless. Totally. I mean, perhaps you do it in a slightly concealed way.
1: It's not going to make a difference to the guest who's had a chunk taken out of their lip if you did or didn't. No,
0: I mean at the moment, as you say, if they notice it, they might think, "Oh, that's useful. I've got some evidence here that this happened."
1: Yeah, and the dog should be uh, exactly. prosecuted. <laughs> Although I suppose if Dump. that
0: element is coming into the wedding, I suppose this is the issue, isn't it? And this, I'm, I'm guessing, Josh, you face all the time as a wedding photographer, is at the end of the evening, you've probably seen enough drunk bridesmaids snogging each other and thought oh well that would be a great stock photo but i guess you resist don't you because you think i'm their private client Mm -hmm. i can't take pictures which i know would sell elsewhere even if they are amazing (laughs) so i suppose the real market for a picture of a dog biting off someone's lip is probably the sun on the mirror isn't it really um you know oh my god couple's magic day ruined by by ring bearer biting off someone's lip
1: you were taking this much further than i thought i was just thinking if i were in that couple that would
0: would be... you want that a photo? I think I would. Yeah. I think
1: I would. The memorable things from my wedding are not necessarily... Was it when the
0: dog bit someone's face off? No.
1: <laughs> I think the dog went to stay somewhere else that day. She was it t- when
0: Martin bit your face off? <laughs> it,
1: was, it was when um, our friend Karishma, she's a small lady yes. with big dance moves, mm. and she kicked a pint out of someone's hand yes. and then glared at him for having the temerity to have a pint in his hand <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, I find that more memorable than just people dancing
0: yeah so you'd like that picture even oh though my God, yeah, perhaps but... Karishma wouldn't feel that that was her in her best light the
1: pint glass flying into the air of course I would
2: a friend of ours wanted to um, break into the field of conflict photography mm-hmm. and because it's very difficult to break into because I guess you've got to be shipped around the world um, he went out and took photographs on Oxford's George Street which was a sort of place where people went drinking on a Saturday night so yeah. he, he took yeah. photos of conflict there. so imagine if you were taking the photographs but not wishing to sell them but doing it for your yes. own, your own uh, training it's completely legitimate to say yes, yes, yes. between the, wedding photography point, and conflict why? photography
0: like, he's talking about morals and you're talking about the intention being important at the time the picture's taken if the picture turns out to be amazing do your morals then get trumped?
1: I don't know what the moral quotient is unless it's a choice between taking the photograph or preventing the dog biting somebody
0: yeah but there's other people there to do that you are there to take photos, that's your role. Did you uh, have a wedding photographer? I don't recall that you did.
1: My brother Rick took photos, he's a really good photographer. Yeah. We didn't have the kind of photos where people pose. So I can well imagine that if Josh mainly has to take pictures of people lining up in different configurations and it's formal, then something as spontaneous as this, which I assume it was, would be quite (laughs) quite refreshing as a wedding photographer. Yes,
0: but actually that's clearer, isn't it? The issue is if the instruction hasn't been particularly clear. You know, if they've said we want documentary style photos and a few setups. Yeah then this clearly falls under documentary-style photography. Yeah. Um, if they've said, we just want cheesy couple photos, mm-hmm. then I don't think it's your job to go around taking pictures of things that are happening verite.
1: I'd be pretty keen, actually, if um, anyone listening has a rogue wedding photo they would be willing to share with us. Oh, yes, that please. That would be fun it's to see. It's been a while since
0: we've shared funny pictures on our please. website. Please.
1: And also send us your questions for future episodes via email or phone and Skype. And if you do call us... We don't have a voicemail message anymore for reasons out of our control, but we do receive your messages. Yes, the so we- number
0: that's on our website is the number to call us.
1: We do get a lot of hang-ups now and not that many questions asked, but persevere Yes, with the Skype and the phone. Please. All, of- all of our contact details... At uh,
0: Also upon that website, you will find links to follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, and to buy our classic episodes and albums and stuff Lovely. Um, on the Answer Me This store. Um, also, have a listen to our other projects, if you fancy.
1: I have theallusionist.org.
0: Which is a, a jolly good podcast.
1: What a romp. Uh, what a romp through language. Just back from a summer break, which I mostly spent sewing patchwork.
0: What have you got on the show? I imagine not an episode uh, about patchwork. At
1: time of recording, haven't decided yet.
0: Excellent plug! <laughs> um, if you listen to my show, the Modern Man M A W N, it's a pun on my name. You will hear me. Wow, I never
1: got that before. A power.
0: You will hear me interview a computer hacker who went to work for the Men in Black.
1: What? Not
0: not literally Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. You know the guys in suits. Yeah. That's, that's how he refers to them. He didn't say the government. He means the government. Um, also, I speak to an MP about what life is like when you're a young person and you represent the public.
1: Is it fucking terrible? Um,
0: the House of Commons has some pretty weird traditions in it, and he talks about that. Um, and also, there's an Answer Me This listener who I've met recently, um, who tells the story of when he was involved in an armed police sting on his own property. Uh, that's an episode Ooh. called The Accidental Pimp. You can probably guess what that's about. Uh, but that's Ian from Dublin, who who discovered the modern man through listening to Answer Me This first. Hey. So, hello, Ian. Hi, Ian. Uh, and you can find all of that at modernman.co.uk. And finally, the Climax, Martin, your podcast.
2: So com. We're talking about every Tom Waits song in chronological order. Don't worry, you don't have to be a Tom Waits expert. But you'll
1: become one. And we
2: have a live show uh, with uh, our own Helen Zaltzman. Hi. And Judge John Hodgman. Uh, well, actually, he technically won't be a judge for this. just a John he'll, Hodgman. He'll be a musical critic. Yeah, John John Hodgman. Uh, on the 14th of September at the, 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 London London, the London Podcast Festival. Yeah. Festival in King's Place.
1: Yeah. Where I'm also doing Live Illusionist and Bugle and a Radiotopia panel. So... I'm going to be busy that weekend. Lots
0: of opportunities to share a room with Helena Martin. But
1: my parents will be around, so if you want to catch uh, some Zaltzmans in the wild, that's a good time. Also, remember, we put out a retro episode of Answer Me This midway through each month. It's only available for a month, and you can only get it if you're subscribed to Answer Me This um, on an RSS gathering thing. At the moment, you're halfway through the month during which you can get Answer Me This episode 100. Yes,
0: which is a live show. From 2009. Yes, uh, it's a it's a trip down memory lane. I think it is fair Absolutely to say. it is. there are yeah. some
1: great songs in it. So get that and then return on the first Thursday of September for the next brand new. Answer me this. Bye. Bye.